Welcome to episode 233 of the Digital Tourism Show, sponsored by ResDay. As you can see, filming in different surroundings for those who are watching the video uh, as working from home due to the coronavirus crisis. But I only felt it was right and proper to get this video online because uh, in this video I will be speaking with Kyle Long from OnTour Food Tours, whose business predominantly provides tours within China. So we will be discussing how the coronavirus has affected his business, but also the launch of No Appetite for Ignorance, which is an initiative to help engage the public and raise awareness of the xenophobia and the racist attitudes against Chinese and Asian-owned businesses, as well as calling this the Chinese virus, an episode you do not want to miss. So thank you so much, Kyle, for, for joining me. Uh, from what we're about to discuss, uh, from the information you sent across to me, it was uh, what you guys are doing is, is, is quite incredible, in my opinion. So I thought that would be a good one to share with our community here in terms of what you're doing to uh, help not only combat the coronavirus of the crisis that we're in the middle of just now, but also some of the adverse effects you've been seeing with uh, with your customers who are the Chinese uh, sort of market in terms of where you do your tours. So, so thank you so much again for, for joining us on the Digital Tourism Show. No problem. So I'm going to get st uh, straight into my, to my first question, which um, as an operator who does conduct tours in China, uh, and for us in the, the Western world or for other destinations looking uh, sort of inwards from, from the outside, how bad is the coronavirus outbreak in China? How bad is it affecting you guys in terms of your, your business, your uh, the bookings that you're making and the, and the life, not just that, but the livelihoods of your, your staff and your guys? You know, how, how much of it is it affecting uh, you guys? You know, media can help, we can hype these things up, so it'll be good to sort of hear it from, from uh, someone who is there. So, Yeah, sure. Well, so we operate tours in China, but for foreigners mostly. So our, mar our target market are travelers coming in China from Western countries and also expats that live in Shanghai and Beijing mostly. Um, and so I think we kind of have seen the first wave of the situation with the coronavirus where um, because it was in Wuhan first and nobody was sure where it was spreading exactly, you know, once it became international news about the Wuhan outbreak, uh, we saw our bookings basically completely stop. And of course, then all of the cancellations also trickling in. So it's kind of a, obviously it's a double whammy in the sense that, um, you know, January and February are generally our slowest months because you've got Chinese New Year happening in there where everything does shut down. Um, but March, April, May, springtime is our, were our busiest months. And so to have that uh, added pressure of all the cancellations, the not seeing anything coming in, we knew that it was going to be really, really uh, an intense uh, crisis for us. Um, so, and there's lots of different issues that went along with that. So of course we don't have any bookings and no customers, but we are also, during the Chinese holiday, our vendors will travel and shut down. So some of them couldn't get back um, into the city to reopen even if they wanted to. Our guides were often in other places, so they weren't traveling back into China. Um, and so there's just a whole host of issues. You know, now it's in the news about what a kind of an amazing job China did with their aggressive measures to shut down the virus and contain things. Um, but those super draconian measures meant lots of different issues for all sorts of businesses. I mean, there was basically a complete shutdown of the city. 
you know, most restaurants weren't open. People couldn't get out of their house except for the, you know, one designated member of the family to go get groceries. And so there's just in no circumstance where there are going to be tours operating during this time. Um, and we knew that. Mm-hmm. What we weren't really sure of how it was going to happen is this sort of second wave of infections that we're now seeing in other countries and how that would continue to affect us long term as well. Um, because now we're seeing China pretty much get the situation more or less under control. But at the same time, all the other countries that it's affecting now, that's affecting everybody's perception of travel generally. So I think, you know, it started to move out from China to, to, you know, Italy and different countries where those countries started to see their tourism numbers drop. But now it's just sort of a worldwide collapse, I think, as far as you can call it for for travelers so you know as a business we tried to do as much as we could to pare back our expenses you know we've had to let some full-time staff go we've come to agreements with them for some separation agreements and a lot of our staff was freelance so we we have the um ability to have them sort of on call but for us it's just now a waiting game i think a lot in terms of waiting for the tourist numbers to come back up and see what happens in the rest of the world. Um, I think even if China doesn't have any new cases in the next, you know, month or two, if the situation abroad is still out of control, it really is going to affect us negatively and just yeah. tourism generally. Yeah, yeah. So on that, actually, where do you where do you see most of your customers coming from uh, in terms of when it's international customers? Yeah, we see about a third from the U.S. So I think for us with uh, food tourism, since we operate, you know, primarily food tours, uh, there the U.S. market is a little bit uh, uh, just knows about food tours generally, and so we 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 get a lot of those travelers. Uh, so we get a lot of about a third U.S., a third Europe, and sort of a mix of expats for the rest, and corporate clients, and and some Australians and New Zealands as well. Yeah, um, but primarily English-speaking Western countries. Yeah. So yeah, you'll be severely hit with uh, the flight restrictions and everything else just now. And so yeah, uh, so yeah, exactly. I can, I can under, yeah, so I can understand. And, now, I mean, and even still now, China is trying to protect obviously the progress they've made. So anybody, for example, traveling into Beijing from uh, you know hard hit countries like Italy, U.S., France now, uh, they're requiring 14 day quarantines for anybody coming in. So what traveler is really gonna come at this point? Yeah. Um, so it's just like, I mean, it's a crazy situation. Nothing you can plan for really, except for, you know, having, you know, some savings to get through it and everything. But this is sort of a something you can't know it's coming. I mean, the, the, mo- the closest uh, parallel we can draw from was the SARS epidemic, I think. Um, and and we saw I've seen tourism numbers for incoming travel to China and, and and it picked back up within about within about three months and even got higher than it was previously. I think there's going to be some pent up demand and and once it does come back, but I would like to look to that three month number and then have some hope. But now with the situation spread to all the other countries, who knows? Yeah. Well, fingers crossed for you. That's for sure. So <laughs> obviously. Uh, any business who is uh, who's going through this crisis, and let's be fair, it's it's, it's not just tourism; it's going to affect many other businesses worldwide. But obviously, everyone's starting to think about what they're doing marketing-wise. Um, should they continue marketing that type of thing? So when uh, when we spoke earlier, you me- you mentioned that you have stopped all paid advertising. 
uh, to concentrate more on on your sort of organic side of things and organic marketing. Um, mm-hmm. Do you feel now is is the right time that operators can take stock of what they're doing and, and think of sort of more long term strategies? So when things do subside, uh, hopefully quicker uh, rather, sooner rather than later, they'll be in a much stronger position at the end of it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a personal business decision for each company, and that everybody will come to slightly different conclusions. But for us, you know, to see our business go from 100% to, you know, essentially zero, we had to make that decision to cut back on our expenses. And, and I feel like with a lot of digital marketing, you know, those are, you know, ads being served to remind customers and to, you know, re-engage them and get them to make that purchase, like a lot of that remarketing. And I mean, it just doesn't seem useful at this point. So it was sort of a no-brainer for us that we had to cut that off and try to figure out some creative solutions to, I think what's important right now for us, especially is to just, and for any operator would be to sort of engage your community, engage your, you know, your social media followers, everybody that's normally following you, they, they want you to succeed. I think, I think everybody is kind of rooting for you. And so it's just coming up with different ways to, you know, keep that communication active and find creative ways to, to stay engaging and, and create content. Um, I have seen a lot of, you know, tour operators talking about, yo, now we're getting, you know, we're making sure our website is in order. And, and I think all of that stuff is now, you know, you have time and the pressure is off. And I think that's all smart. I don't think people should go on, you know, vacation and do nothing. So I think, (laughs) so I think, you know, we talked a lot about also just, you know, making sure we have content, uh, you know, set up and ready to go for when things come back as well, because, yeah. you know, anything you can do to prepare, I mean, you have the time and and in our case, we do have some staff still helping us with not much to do on the ground. So we can try to give them some um, content creation sort of activities that, that could help us potentially in the future. So, yeah, I think, I think it's really important to look at what you can do that's going to help you down the road and just try to set your future self up for success yeah. because once business comes back, you know, maybe it's going to be super quick and, and things are going to start rolling and, and maybe there'll be other issues that come up that take your time. So I think anything you can do now to be prepared is, is smart. Yeah, definitely. Even, even if it's creating a, a backlog of content that you can use when things sort of calm down a little bit and stuff like that will sort of give you a head start when uh, when that time comes so so one of the yeah, things exactly. that i really wanted one of the things i really wanted to to speak about um which you'd be uh, which you, when you approached us which sounds really interesting to me is you've created a, a new initiative called no appetite for ignorance um which is to combat and, and i'm going to quote you here in, in your words that xenophobia and racist attitudes towards Chinese and Asian uh, owned businesses so coming from the UK uh, and I'm sure many listening uh, are watching this episode may not be aware of anything against Chinese citizens going on. So can you explain to everyone what is happening and why you felt you had to set up this initiative? Yeah, no problem. Um, so basically the project, we came to the conclusion and having seen some of the news articles and, and just hearing stories from our, our network of, of uh, friends and family abroad and just the Chinese diaspora abroad was that, you know, when the news came out that, oh, this is coming from, you know, this, this, the outbreak was centered in Wuhan. So this is this Chinese coronavirus. And, uh, and so in the beginning, especially, I think there was a lot of misinformation about how it was spread. Nobody was really sure. There's all these rumors and misinformation going around. 
And so that immediate reaction uh, abroad, and we're talking outside of China now, was to, you know, oh, I need to avoid eating Chinese. I need to avoid my local takeout place. I need to, Chinatown isn't safe. And, you know, this is Chinatown, Manhattan. People, restaurants were reporting 50 to 70%, you know, cut in their business and foot traffic. And this is before there's any cases, even in New York, we're talking weeks ago. And yeah. so it's just all this, I mean, that's kind of the heart of the issue where, you know, there's fear and then there's this xenophobic reaction where, oh, I need to, I need to, you know, hunker down and these are different people from me and they must, you know, have the virus or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so it's really, I think it's quite disturbing and really sad. And so, um, and it's hard for us, you know, as business owners in China to really, you know, what can we do? So we really saw that as a something that we would like to help combat. So we set up the project, the, basically the website. Um, we've solicited uh, recommendations from, you know, kind of luminaries in the Chinese food world. You've got Fuchsia Dunlap on there, um, Ching Ho Huang, some chefs in New York City and some food producers in L.A., so we're trying to get uh, a range of people involved and uh, get their recommendations for some of their favorite Chinese restaurants where they are locally. Um, and so just as a way to bring awareness to the situation and educate people about this, this is an issue. And also maybe we can do something positive. Maybe we can support these businesses that are really in need and are seeing some steep drop-offs. Um, to their to their traffic and really i mean it's it's happening everywhere we've seen reports you know recently in london of an asian student that was beaten and and some racist you know slurs being thrown at them about oh well you know we don't want your virus and and it's clear that at this point that this virus knows no borders has no it's going to affect everyone regardless of race ethnicity of sex you know everything so um i think you know, especially in the beginning when this was seen as a problem coming from China, this is this was a huge issue. I, I'm curious to see how, how it evolves now that, you know, this is affecting every country. Yeah. But I have a feeling, you know, we have our political leaders, you know, in the U.S. and probably abroad as well saying things like this Chinese virus still um, coming from the very top. And that's just a clearly racist attitude at this point to say that this virus has a nationality. Yeah. Um, Clearly, the World Health Organization has tried to name it, give it a non-location-based name. So we have a disease called COVID-19, and the actual virus named something else. So it's 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 an issue that I think needs to be pushed back on, and and uh, it's it's getting picked up in the mainstream as well. I think you're seeing, like I saw, uh, you know, Samantha B. She's a late-night comedian in the U.S. had a whole piece about, uh, you know, the coronavirus is not an excuse to be racist, like. This is just something that is now in, in the conscious and I yeah. think needs to needs to stay in the conscious of people that this is not an acceptable uh, way to communicate. No, for sure. And I completely agree. And I honestly think that no matter whether it was in China or some other country or whatever, I think it just gives people who are genuinely racist just an excuse to be more racist. So, uh, so I think it's just... Uh, yeah, like I said, I've seen that happening in the UK with other political things happening as well. Brexit, you name it, the, the, the closet racists come out at that point. So, <laughs> so uh, unfortunately, it's something we all yeah. need to combat against. So, yeah. So exactly, and and we included. I mean, 
you know, obviously we kind of started as the Chinese diaspora around the world that we wanted to help out. But, you know, you read more and more stories of just any Asian as actually often the target of attacks and slurs and and really like physical attacks sometimes. And yeah. so people aren't so discriminating and in, in what they, you know, they are discriminating and they're not realizing who is Chinese and whatever. So we wanted to include in the site that um, there's other Asian businesses as well that really need our support. Mm -hmm. So if you go to the website, the noappetiteforignorance.org, you'll see a pledge you can take to sort of, that we want people to realize that they can also fight back against the misinformation that they maybe hear their neighbors or their family repeating. So uh, they feel comfortable responding to that uh, discriminatory or xenophobic language. Mm -hmm. But also on the website, you'll find the map where we've, uh, all around the world now, we've, we've gotten the recommendations for you know, businesses to support. And obviously, you know, I think those are excellent, you know, recommended businesses and, re and restaurants that you're going to have a good meal at, but there's going to, even if your local community isn't on that map, you can find a Chinese business in your area to support. And that was really the gist of it was that we wanted to highlight that, you know, these are, you know, our business in China obviously suffered like crazy and anything we can do to help others sort of come through this and get to the other side is all we could really do. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, if there's lessons to be drawn for other tourism business owners, hopefully that's just coming up with some sort of creative way that maybe you can engage your help, engage your staff as well, that, you know, you're doing something positive out of the situation and trying to help because that's at, at the end of the day, that's all we can do. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of talk about reaching out to your local markets as well and trying to come up with tours that are going to appeal to your local markets. And, and if you can do that, I think that's great. And that's that's an awesome way to try to find new revenue sources. And we're, you know, working on that as well. But um, this was just something that I think, you know, helps help, potentially helps educate the public. And, and, you know, if there's a side benefit for us as a company, that's great. But ultimately, the main goal was to, uh, you know, combat some of this disinformation that we saw yeah yeah so just to just to remind us what's the url for that website again so it's no appetite for ignorance.org it's also a hashtag so if you you know are out and want to are out with it in your ch local chinatown and eating and want to help spread the word and use the hashtag on your social media i think that's great there's other campaigns going as well that i've seen that are, are really great um one out of australia that's i think hashtag i will eat with you and that's another sort of social media campaign that i've seen going around that's just trying to get the word out that these are businesses that are suffering for no real reason i mean if you know if if our business was suffering because of something we did then that's something that you know i, I can understand and, and handle but to see these businesses suffering for just i mean you know fake news misinformation and, and fear yeah. i think it's it's just really sad so it's important to try to fight back against that yeah definitely and i, I commend you for for setting up the initiative it's uh, it's sad that we need something like this to happen but uh, i commend you for for, for doing it um so no, I th with my sort of next question that's maybe sort of been answered already but with what's happening in china whether it's the, the racism side or with the coronavirus side or anything like that do you see how long do you think tourism will be, or how how long do you think it will be before tourism picks up again in China if things all start calming down? Do, do you see anything negative, negatively affecting China in terms of its tourism because of all this? Um, I, it's so hard to tell. I wish I knew the answer. I think we all 
want to know the answer because there's so much uncertainty. Um, but I think ultimately, you know, customers, tourists will come back to China. You know, it, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, my business partner and I, we both have sort of, you know, op- one of us is more optimistic, one of us is more pessimistic about the views. We're just trying to come up with a middle and think, you know, I think in the summer and fall, we're going to have some customers coming back. And I think they're probably not in the same numbers as, as last year, for example. Um, so I think next year things are going to restart with a, with a vengeance and, and we'll be, you know, back at a hundred percent and hopefully sooner. But, um, I think it's kind of a time to just watch the news, try to figure out what's happening. And, and at this point, it sort of feels like we're all in this together in the sense that this is not a Chinese problem anymore. This isn't an Italian problem. This, yeah. There's no boundaries. There's no borders at this point. So if the U S can't figure out, you know, how to contain it, then that's going to affect every, everybody for a while as well. So for, for sure. No, I, mean, I mentioned that and somebody was talking on social media about it and I was saying, look, this isn't just going to affect tour operators, it's going to affect well, agencies like my own, it's going to affect the restaurants and these destinations, local shops, so even the man in the street who in America who sells hot dogs and with tourists coming up, everything is going to be affected by this, uh, no matter where, where, what walk yeah. of life you're in. So um, it is quite worrying for, for a lot of businesses and uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, we can uh, we can certainly get through it quicker uh, sooner rather than later. Um, so, yeah, I hope so too. Yeah, so I'm going to finish off by asking: Is there any advice that you would give tour operators in general who are worried about their business at this time? Or what do you think they should be focusing on? What do you think they can do? I know it's hard. It's a hard question because every business is different and, and every destination is different. We don't know how long this is going to how long this is going to go on for. Um, but is there any advice that you would give to businesses now to say, look, this is what you should be doing now to help combat anything in the future? Yeah, I mean, again, it's pretty personal, but uh, everybody's situation is different. I think it's just a time to sort of regroup, you know, don't lose all hope and don't despair because, you know, we've seen we've seen time and time again that, you know, business will come back and, you know, after terrorist attacks, after pandemics, after SARS, after just about anything the tourists will come back and yeah. and i think you're gonna you're gonna see budget you know at first maybe the first wave will be budget travelers that are finding a good deal after all this and then you know the business travelers will pick back up and, and it'll get back to normal mm-hmm. so i think it's just making sure you know you have your contingency plans you're making sure your finances are in order so that you can get through you know an extended period of time and making sure you know in the future that that you have a contingency plans as well in place. Um, and I think just being creative, like I said, with uh, ways to be engaging and, uh, you know, it took us a while to figure out, you know, we sort of hunkered down for a few weeks trying to figure out what the message should be. Is there anything we can do? And I think, you know, at this point, I, I don't think you should be in a rush necessarily to, to pump out content, to pump out your, what your message is, because ultimately it's, it's a bit of a waiting game and you have time and, and this wasn't something that we just came up with overnight either. So I think in that regard, you know, you can take your time and, and, and really think through what you can do. And I think if there's a way to try to have a positive impact on your community, um, if that's a way, if there's a way to, you know, help out uh, even victims in your local or people that are suffering from in your local community and you can get your business name out as well. I think, I mean, anything positive, uh that you can do i think it's worth it at this point 
Um, and it's just a matter of hoping that your savings are enough to get through this time and really come out, come out the other end in one piece. And, and I think it's just recognizing that there's going to be a period of rebuilding and, and not losing all hope because, um, yeah, it's gonna, it'll get better eventually whenever that, yeah. whenever that exactly is. Yeah, and I think, sure. and I, I think another way to look at it too is, in the beginning, it sort of felt like for us, like, oh, we're going to lose, you know, are we going to lose our ranking on TripAdvisor? Are we going to lose our, you know, our advantage that we have built up over the years of our competitors? And ultimately, it's not like they have any customers coming in either. Mm. So I don't think there's this fear where you have to be like, all is lost, everything's done, we'll never pick up the pieces, because ultimately, in six months or three months or a year, whenever it is, everybody was in the same boat. Um, but anything you can do to sort of uh, be positive and get your name out there and, and stay relevant is good. But even if you don't manage to, to do anything, I don't think you've lost too much ground against your competitors. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think, I, I certainly think that even though, as you mentioned, this, supporting your local communities and your local businesses and things like that as well as much as you can. And, and I'm just looking out for each other and making sure everybody can get through this and I think that's I, I, everybody especially in the tourism industry and I know this is what the tourism this is why I love the tourism industry everyone just gets together they try to help everyone get through it uh, and that's it's, it's one of the reasons why I absolutely love this industry so um, I, I can't thank you enough for your time I think what you're doing with the the appetite for uh, for ignorance is or no appetite for ignorance is is commendable it's uh, uh, such a great initiative that you're doing um, so uh, I think you. what you guys are, are, are doing over there is brilliant so uh, all I can say is thank yeah you and so if anyone time. else wants to get involved as well as other tourism operators we're still looking for other uh, local recommendations you know around the world we're going to keep adding to the site and and just you know make it a fun database that you know of recommendations and and great places that you know hopefully people will be able to save that map as a resource in the future to use as well that oh i'm you know traveling in madrid here's an awesome chinese restaurant that is super authentic or maybe it's got a interesting you know fusion spanish uh spanish chinese feel whatever it is you know i think i think it's going to be a, a cool database of, of seeing what is new and interesting in the chinese food diaspora in the world now yeah Definitely. Um, well, thanks again, and I, and I wish you all the best through this. Yeah. Through this period. Um, hopefully, thank hopefully you very much. Uh, hopefully, we can do this conversation six months time, and the things are looking a lot better. <laughs> I, I really hope so too. Thanks, well, thanks for again. Me as well. No problem. No problem. Thanks again.